Hey, what's up, everyone? Very excited for today's episode. My guest, Noah Kagan, has quite the career arc. He was the 30th employee at Facebook and actually was fired by Mark Zuckerberg, lost access to his shares of equity, and in turn, the multi-million dollar windfall that that would have netted him when Facebook went public. After that, he was a part of the marketing team for Mint, the personal finance app that was acquired by Intuit. Missed out on a windfall there as well. But he has found his calling. He has found a niche in the world of online entrepreneurship, building tools and giveaways for other online entrepreneurs and marketers. AppSumo is a Groupon for marketers and entrepreneurs and nerds. And Sumo.com creates tools like the ones that I use to collect emails on my website all in all, Noah is a fascinating dude. He's really been making a push in the last year with a new podcast, Noah Kagan Presents, and a fast-growing, content-dense YouTube channel. I started things off wanting to talk about the creation of this content, but he had done his research on me and insisted that we started off by talking about Ultimate Frisbee. So we're going to start off there and I'll slowly transition it back to the lessons that we can learn from a man who's had some ups and downs, but has always done things his way. I am very excited to present to you my conversation with Noah Kagan. You're listening to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. So I started in soccer also before I got into Frisbee. And that's, I mean, my background was like as a fullback. So my defensive instincts and just kind of like field awareness is that's like, that's like really the 202 level. Like when they used to talk about Steve Nash as a point guard, how he could see plays before they happen and anticipate that stuff. That's like what you're taking away from soccer, the ability to see the whole field. But in terms of offense, like like if your throwing skills aren't that great, you just have to completely buy into your role having to be, I'm going to be the guy who outruns other people. And that's something that like, particularly with your endurance what I like literally when I started my skill was I would just keep running until my guy covering me was so winded that I like had to be open and you can get in people's way if you like run around too much but if you're if you're making sure you're downfield not too deep so that you're clogging up like where people want to huck to but you're just kind of running like long cuts across the field anyone who's in good shape is just going to wreck people that's literally like my calling card throughout college Oh, and so we were talking strategy for ultimate because this fat guy just he, he kicked i was really out of shape with it i'm not used to that like sprint stop sprint stop it's yep. an amazing workout too by the way yeah i mean we say like at the top levels it, it's just a bunch of skinny dudes like there's not even like meatheads who can really make it at the top levels because you just in a, even in one high level game you burn an insane amount of calories do you guys go out and then like pig out after that yeah absolutely um that that was like the thing. So we would do our our track workouts uh, when we were at Pitt, and w- then we'd come down and like just piles of pizza and all sorts of food. Like it, like we weren't eating super healthy at that point in time because you can get away with it at that age. But like yeah, you just crush calories and it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I I was exhausted 
after playing just for we played for I don't know forty five minutes an hour, and I was like, this is. I think what happens is you become quote unquote adults. Is that exercise becomes cardio. It used yeah. to be just like, hey, running around fun, and then now we call it, we have names for it. Whereas a kid, it was like, hey, I'm just going to go bike around because it's enjoyable to be outside on a bike. Yeah. And Ultimate is an amazing way where you're having fun, you're meeting people, and you're also burning a shit ton of calories, which, you know, it's kind of a three for one. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's also just a different type of way to train your muscles, like the kind of fast twitch reactive type of workout. It's, it's hard to do. Like they, they recreate that in su- certain gyms where they have like the reaction ball or like the guy points left or right and you react to it. But more often than not, when you're just like, I'm working out to stay in shape, it's all planned motions, which is safer. That's, I mean, that's why you have more injuries with ultimate, but yeah, it's, that's like the number one thing I take away from it. Are you still playing as much? Uh, yeah, well, I, I was on the pro team in Pittsburgh the last two years. I captained the Thunderbirds. And then this year I just got back from a five month stint in Southeast Asia. But last night was actually my first practice upon returning. Dude, I want you to come with me to one of the games out here. I'll be like, oh, it's my friend, Aaron. Awesome. He's never played before. Um, he doesn't really know how to throw. And then we just like mess people up, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm pretty close with Nathan Latka, who's also down in Austin. So the next time I'm in your neck of the woods, we'll definitely just hit up the pickup game or something. Oh my god, that would be so cool. I've always wanted. To, I think that'd be just really funny. I don't know if I've always wanted to do it, but in just different aspects, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, this guy's okay. He's not bad. And then you just like destroy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be fun. Uh, well, if, if you're good, I'd love to get into uh, a couple questions that I've prepared and we can just go wherever, wherever it takes us. Um, but I've, I was thinking about this question and I was like realizing it's kind of a backhanded compliment and I really, I don't, <laughs> I don't necessarily mean it that way, but you are like literally my number one favorite content creator person that I've found in 2017. And the reason that's, oh, did you say that? Is that how you start every show? No, 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 no. This is, uh, I haven't said this to anyone else before, but you know, you were definitely creating content and putting stuff out there before 2017 and, and perhaps just my ignorance to have not really been aware of everything that you're putting out over at OK Dork and stuff. But you seem like you've really kind of pushed the pedal down on your podcast and your YouTube channel, which we'll link to in the show notes. And, and I just wanted to kind of ask you, you know, the, the thing that I really recognize in all the stuff you're creating is that you, there's like a deep sense of authenticity in everything you're doing. Like you're having friends on and you're laughing half the time. You never devolve into radio voice or news anchor man. Like there, there's no like kind of fake personality that you feel like, like I feel like a lot of people kind of step into when they're creating content because that's the only archetype that they've ever seen. Oh, and I, I'm just curious kind of where that comes from, why you feel... I mean, maybe you don't agree with this, but it seems like you're just very comfortable and very loose in all the stuff that you're creating. And I think a lot of people struggle to recreate that while still delivering value. You can go too far and just be like loose and frivolous. And then it's, it's just kind of um, self-indulgent, but you've, you've kind of hit this really nice middle space. So I'm, I'm curious if you can talk about that at all. Yeah, man. Thank you for the compliment. So number one, I'll just say everyone, whenever you get a compliment, just say thank you. Uh, that actually probably relates to my podcast, the Noah Kagan Presents show, and it's because I think we want to we don't we apologize for who we are. And I I'm dude I have self confidence issues. I'm self conscious at times, but overall, like I think we build our confidence, we build our self worth by just starting to accept who we are. So when someone gives you a compliment or you do something well, don't be don't be like oh I have to apologize for everything. I think that that's number one. Number two, uh, in the work you do, I I do believe that people know when they've done great work. 
I, I don't know. You ever do something, I'm sure, in Pittsburgh or with your sales or with your podcast that you're like, damn, that was hella good. I'm from the yeah. Bay Area, so we say hella. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a function of having fun with it. And whatever, everyone's got their own different type of fun. And so I've always really liked asking people questions. I've always liked talking to people that are really interesting for me. So with my show, I just have fun with it. I don't try to interview the biggest, most popular guests that maybe other people get because I just don't give a shit. Like Neil deGrasse Tyson. I don't know the guy at all. But I would probably never have him on my show because I don't really care about space in that way. <laughs> and I think other people are like, well, I got to get this guest because it would be popular. And I think that's where some of the, when you finally talk to that person, you have you know kind of forced questions. Versus for me, yesterday, two days ago, I interviewed a, a court reporter because I just thought it'd be interesting to talk to a court reporter because I don't know what the hell they do all day. I'm like, you just type on that thing? And so I think people have to really explore their curiosity and have fun with what they're doing. And... Those are kind of the kind of things that have really helped. Just don't apologize for who you are. Apologize if you make mistakes. Have fun with it. And the third thing that's kind of really led me uh, down my path, I mean, maybe there's a fourth one, but the third one is that how are you evolving, right? So when I started my show, I just, you know, went and talked to someone. I put a recorder in the middle and it was just two random people talking and it wasn't really structured and the sound quality was crappy. And I think what a lot of people do with with their shows or with their with what they're creating in any aspect is that they just put some shit out and then they're like okay and then they just keep putting shit out and i think what i've had success with in my career with like sumo.com and appsumo.com and, and the businesses i've been a part of is that i depend i spend a good amount of time trying to pay attention to what's working and then i try to figure out all right well how can i recreate more of that and i think a lot of people don't really do that so for me and you know how can you improve so like i hired an npr producer for my show and I spent, you know, some money, uh, which over the next, if you say, well, that money over a few years is, is basically nothing and it's compounding and dividends that I'll get from that knowledge. And then I actually review all my transcripts and I do all my own editing and that maybe I won't forever, but that's really helped me perfect my craft. And in the beginning of my show, I didn't really do it. I just kind of put that stuff out and, and then, and through investment and in wanting to master my craft, I think it, then it creates ultimately a better product. And most people, I don't think put in the effort to really listen to what they've done or review their you know, work or review their spreadsheets or hire someone to really critique it and uh, to kind of elevate to that next level of status or next level of like quality. Yeah, I, I know from editing my own show how bad I started off with just ums and uhs and other little verbal tics. And the only way to really feel that pain was to be the person editing it myself. It's like, wow, this is this is brutal, Aaron. You have to get better at it. And there's there's also a... I don't know. I'd say that at some point there's a hurdle that you overcome where you start to realize not that you're just completely full of faults, but you do have much more distinct weaknesses than you may have realized as a kid. Because you're as your kid, at least for me, you know, I had parents that really built up my ego, gave me a lot of confidence. You know, if you want to go do something, you can go make that happen. But there was a, a point where you start to realize, you know, I thought I gave a couple good speeches in the huddle for my ultimate team. Like I'd given a couple presentations at college and at these different levels. And I thought I was at you know, this higher level of a public speaker. And the reality was, is that I had a long way to go to refine those skills. And that's still an ongoing process. Was there a point or, or, or what has your experience been with that realization that your skill set, your tool set isn't as robust as maybe you thought it was that kind of pushed you in that direction? Because the, the, there is that, that self-development, personal development cohort group of people that 
attract to one another. But I'm also always curious with those who really seem to have a good, a good habit of that, where that originated. You know, I, people say to me, oh, you, you always try to improve. And I don't actually think of it. I just don't. Uh, I kind of think I'm just not ever really satisfied, which may be healthy or not. (laughs) And I explore the things I'm curious and I'm always kind of thinking, how can it be better in business, in the podcast, uh, in my relationships? And I just kind of keep re-examining those things. It's mostly just unsatisfied. Uh, The other thing I think that's led me to, I think, create work that I'm very proud of is uh, don't let other people label you successful. Right. A lot of a lot of success is because someone says that person is successful. I don't think many people walk around and say, hey, I am successful. And so I think that people need to really define what success is for them and what they really want to be accomplishing and then going after that. And I think that'll lead to authenticity and alignment and clarity and frankly, great work. And uh, and then just wrapping up with that in terms of, you know, creating great work and, and being, you know, whatever success is for each person is really trying to understand what would you work on for free? And I think if you can actually really commit and dedicate yourself and figure a way to get paid for what you'd work on for free, you will ultimately be successful in whatever way you define it. But I I think you can't fail if you commit for a good amount of time, let's say at least a year minimum, and you're working on something that, hey, even if I didn't get paid, this is what I would do. And And when I reflect on my career, you know, I'm about halfway through it. Maybe it'll be a thousand years. Who knows? Maybe I'm only like one tenth through it. I I like to discourage from saying phrases I don't believe. I don't want to say I die because maybe I'll live a long time. But when, when I reflect on my life and my uh, career, I think a lot of the reasons I've had uh, success for myself is that I've just kind of solved my own problems and worked on things I've been personally interested in. Facebook wasn't a big company. Now everyone's like, man, Facebook. It's like, dude, there was like 10 million people using it. We had f- like 30 to 40 people working there. But I just used it all the time and I loved it. And I was like, man, this is great for hooking up with girls uh, and staying in touch with a few of my friends. In that order. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, or mostly just the first one. Uh, I think like mint.com as well, man. I just really love personal finance. I think it's really interesting. I think everyone needs help with it. And I wanted more people to have help with personal finance. So I committed myself to working on that. And with AppSumo, I just wanted deals on software because I start businesses and I wanted to not pay full price. And then sumo.com is that I needed tools for my marketing. And other people, you know, subsequently needed tools to help them grow their email list. And that's where sumo.com came from. Or even my podcast, like kind of similar to you, Aaron. Uh, with your Going Deep podcast, I love being able to talk to really fucking interesting people and recording it and sharing it with others. And I'm not getting paid. I have no sponsorships. I have no ads. You know, I mentioned my companies uh, that I helped start. But for the most part, uh, and I think I think it helps with that, but I think for the most part, it just it's a great outlet for me to share ideas of other people and promote products that I'm excited about. And will it maybe make a lot of money some, somewhere in the future? Eh, potentially. I'm curious, we went over your career arc there a little bit, and there is that transition of joining the fast, high-growth startups into being the founder and being uh, the person with whom the buck stops. There's different schools of thoughts. There's people that say, you know, get your experience, get your knowledge base built out, then go try your entrepreneurial venture. There's other people who say, you know, I was an entrepreneur from... I literally had a guy actually on one of my earlier episodes of the show say, I knew when I was three years old that I was an entrepreneur. Wow. And in hindsight, I probably should have pushed him back a little bit harder on him on that. But I was uh, still a newbie and maybe not as as aggressive as I might be now. And, And I'm curious, given that you kind of had this attraction to 
startups, obviously from an early age, you weren't starting off at the big corporation, traditional job. It, what are, where do you fall on that argument or discussion of people who maybe aspire to entrepreneurship or maybe fall into that entrepreneur camp? Um, do you think there's hope for those types of people if they commit themselves to acquiring, uh, you know, sales and marketing skills, other skill sets, um, networking? Do you, do you think there's hope for those types of people or do you feel like there is some degree of innate talent that's required? My favorite people are, are ones that just make great products and they weren't really trying to start a business. I love those people because they're not really... And, and they say, well, I wasn't a businesswoman or businessman. I'm like, business is very simple. You make something people want and then they give you money for it. It's not very complicated. And you try to have more revenue than you have expenses. And if you could do those two things, you probably win. I mean, frankly, if you just make more revenue than expenses, you, you, you're going to be fine. Uh, I think everyone can run a company. I don't think there's any uh, limiting factor. One of my favorite stories around that was I was hanging out with a guy who founded 1-800-CONTACTS, and he was hanging out with this driver, this Uber driver. And, he's, and the Uber driver said, man, I'd love to have a limo company. And the 1-800-CONTACTS founder said, yeah, sure, I'll give you a limo company. And I'll, I'll fund everything. But you have to do one thing. And the guy's like, sure, whatever you want me to do, and I'll do it. And then you're going to give me the money. That's great. And the 100 Context founder is probably worth like half a billion, maybe more. He said, well, you have to work on it hard for 20 years. And if you can commit, you know, eight to 10, I think it was 10 hours a day for 20 years, five days a week, I'll give you the money today. And the driver thought to himself and said, nah, nah, I don't want it. I don't want it. I, I, yeah, I'll just still drive in this Uber car and make, you know, $13 an hour. And so I think it's not that people want to be entrepreneurs. It's just that they want to live a certain lifestyle. And some people want better lifestyles financially and they want to have freedom. And some people don't. Or they, they want the idea of it, but they're not actually willing to put in the work. And you can take anyone into a gym. This is I work out a good amount. You're, you seem like you're very fit too, Aaron. Moderately. Anyone, you could... Which, oh, come on, you don't run Ultimate Frisbee and be a fat ass. But I can bring anyone into a gym. Anyone off the street, homeless people, tall people, skinny people, wheelchair people, whatever. But I can't make them work out. I can't make them get in shape and I can't make them follow a diet. People have to want that. And so I think what people have to spend time thinking about is it's not whether you want to be an entrepreneur or not. It's like, what kind of lifestyle do you want? And then what will help you enable that? Is it at this 20-year-old nomadic lifestyle where you live on couches and go to foreign countries and bang all these hot chicks and do all these drugs and have a great time? <laughs> well, actually, that sounds really fun. Or, you know, which is fine. And maybe you make, you know, you do affiliate marketing or you do, you know, you work for a remote company or maybe you want to have a family and you need a job that frankly at five o'clock you don't have to worry about the company. Or maybe you want to run your own business because there are certain ways that you've always wanted to run a company and you want to see how it's like. And I don't think there's a right or wrong way to live. I think we've glamorized entrepreneurship, which I think is wrong. Entrepreneurship mostly sucks. And sometimes it is actually way better to be an employee. And so I think people just need to spend a little time working backwards from what kind of lifestyle they want to have and what type of job they want to create or work for that will help them get there. I totally agree that that self-awareness work is really difficult. Yeah. And, and what I always uh, am interested in is, I think I learned this in some psychology class, but there's the box of and it's it's a four a two by two, and it's things that you're aware of about yourself and other people know about you. Things that you know about yourself that no one else knows. Things that other people know about you that you don't know about yourself. And then the final box is things that are true about you that neither you nor anyone else yet know. 
and kind of fighting to invade that territory is constantly a battle. But in terms of getting to know something about another person, um, you kind of talked about what that work that's entailed and the the notion that you know personally with the different teams that I've played on the different teammates that I've had you really learn a lot when the stakes are the highest and you're really in the trenches fighting a battle and just and it, it, what made me think of that is when you said you know you bring someone in the gym but you can't make them work out it's like I can put you on the field with me I can put you in a position to succeed but I can't guarantee that you're going to execute I can't guarantee that you're going to do what's required to show up on the biggest stage. And I'm curious if, I mean, obviously there's parallels to that in the world of business, but when you think either about the people in your network who you know you could go to battle with, um, what has been the process from, from a business standpoint of identifying those people and then perhaps more importantly, keeping them in your orbit? Because sometimes those people pass through our lives but for whatever reason, you know, maybe it's they're focused on something else or you can't necessarily deliver. Maybe maybe you could have delivered something of value, but you didn't take the swing. Uh, what has your process been like of keeping those other primetime performers in your orbit? Whatever it takes. <laughs> whatever it takes. The people, you can only be as great as the people around you. Period. You will only be as great as the people around you. And so if you have good people around you, you're only going to be good. If you have great, it's like your ultimate Frisbee team. If you had, you know, one, maybe two guys or girls that were okay, you probably would never win a championship. Maybe with great coaching and things like that. But ultimately, if it's a team that everyone is playing their part in, then you can be very successful. And so I think that applies in in two different aspects, one on the personal and one on the professional. And I think people actually do a really shitty job of this. I think in at least personal, in personal life, I think people keep around way too many shitty friends. Oh yeah, cool. I'll get coffee with them. Yeah. Why do you get coffee with them? Because you never seem happy afterwards. You don't seem to ever get more energy after you hang out with them. And I think that's how, the way I measure my friendships. Not every single moment of every single time, but after I hang out with them, am I feeling better about myself and my life? Am I thinking, man, I can't wait to hang out with you again. And so I think people have a lot of crap people around. And then they wonder why their life is crap. Like, oh, man, you know, I'm kind of sad today. It's like, yeah, because you hang out with shitty people. Uh, And then on the professional side, if you, everyone has worked with someone at school or at church or synagogue or on a sports team where you've worked with someone and you're like, holy crap, this person is better than everyone else or better than anyone I've worked with in the past. And as a professional or in your career, do whatever it takes to be around that person. And as a business owner, do whatever it takes to remove everybody else and just keep those people around. And for me, that's, that's been everything, right? With, with AppSumo.com, for instance, we brought on this guy, Eamon, we trained him, he took over, and now he's doubled the business. And whatever he needs to be happy, whatever's roadblocking him, whatever support he needs, whatever money he needs, I'll do whatever he needs. And I'll do whatever it takes for him to stay. And I also think that needs to be proactive. Don't wait to, when people are ready to leave, it's already too late. So a lot of times I've seen with raises and salaries and running companies, the person's already ready to quit by the time you're trying to save them. And so I, and I'm not saying I'm great, you know, but I do my best to say, Hey, who are the people that if I had to rank people that shit, if they left, I'd be screwed. And a lot, it's most of the people at our company, if not all. And so I do whatever it takes to make sure that they're living whatever life they, they want. And I can help enable from my side. I think the, the simplest answer is if someone is great on a personal professional part of your life, spend way more time around them. 
do whatever it takes to keep them around. And if someone sucks, do a better job of excluding them from your life. I like that answer a lot. Um, I, I've got one more and then we'll start wrapping up and I'll let you go. But th- this question is kind of related to that. It's, it, it actually, uh, what made me think of it is uh, one of your recent episodes, you interviewed Keith Ferrazzi. Uh, he's the author and just kind of networking guru who has one of the biggest Rolodexes in the world. And he, he wrote the book, Never Eat Alone, for those of you who don't, don't know the name. But it seems like he is in this nexus of inflow that he's created, you know, new interesting people coming into his life that it's, it's ceaseless and he can get doors to open through the a massive amount of leverage that he's built up over the course of his career. And you, you know, you mentioned you're halfway through your career or maybe not are in a similar, if not the same place where the table kind of flips for, for a lot of the people who listen to the show real young, they're at that initial stage where they're just trying to get the snowball moving and start to create some opportunities for themselves through that hard work that you talked about, through the making the ask and, and a lot of the other skills that, you, that you're familiar with because you've been there. Um, but I'm curious, and I think there's, you know, maybe when it's either the, the vlogs or the cool Instagrams of the quote unquote uh, successful entrepreneurs who do glamorize the lifestyle, the one perception that I see as, as a common thread is this flipping of that table to as opposed to necessarily going out and creating every opportunity you start to build some sort of flow of opportunities coming to you and that that can be multiple forms if you are an angel investor that means deal flow if you are a networker that means introductions if you are a personal branding person or a CEO, maybe that means speaking gigs uh, and other opportunities like that. But there's there's this this flipping point where the opportunities start coming to you as opposed to you exclusively having to move towards them. Uh, and I'm curious if, if there was a particular moment in your career where you noticed that paradigm start to shift and uh, what that realization was like, or you can just say, Aaron, you're completely full of crap and that's not anything close to reality. So I think the mentality that you're implying, which is good and bad, is that it gets easier when you get to different sizes and it's generally the opposite. It gets harder. And so what I would encourage people is that if they're doing things to get to a certain level, keep doing it. So for example, if I'm trying to meet certain people, when I was young, I'd meet anyone, anyone. And it helped me build a good Rolodex and if you're trying to connect with people, I'd encourage people to set, set up dinners. Even if you're poor, people will come over and have dinner with you or find a rich person and say, hey, I'll find other rich people to come together or find ways to make it interesting for people to want to connect with you. Like send them something helpful. doesn't even have to be money. It could be research. It could be whatever. That's what I talked about uh, with Keith on, on my show. Noah Kagan presents. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but be valuable to them. And then as you get to a lot, as you get more, you know, maybe more uh, reputation or you get more experience, you know, you don't need to do that as much, but then you should try to do it to even hire people, right? So maybe it's a podcast. Maybe it's spending money to go to some type of event. Maybe it's joining a mastermind, whatever it is. Uh, but generally the work never ends. I, I think about my time in college when I was a freshman, I was a part of a marketing club and I said, and I, they made me always put up flyers. And I said, I fucking hate putting up flyers. And I said, if I'm ever president, I'm never putting up flyers ever again. Three years later, I'm the vice president. And you can guess what I was still doing. 
putting up <laughs> flyers. I was always putting up fucking flyers. And, uh, you know, I think there's a reason. Uh, what's interesting to me is I think there's something like Warren Buffett and some of these people that are at the upper echelons of success, Bill Gates, Zuckerberg, Jobs. A lot of us aspire to have a bunch of money. But there's something kind of surprising and interesting for the people that are the richest people in the world for the most part. They don't have to work anymore, right? They're living the dream that most people are aspiring to, but these guys are working even more now. And so it's, well, what, what are they doing, right? And it's like they're still just doing the thing they really always wanted to do, and they're, they keep doing it. And I think that's the, the really valuable lesson for a lot of people out there, which is just like, all right, well, how do you just keep doing something where you would actually never stop? Uh, and so do it in the beginning, and then you can keep doing it at the end. Yeah, that's a great insight. You know, I've, I've had friends say, you know, once this, the podcast just really blows up, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm going to keep podcasting. That's like why I started it. It's just something I absolutely love to do. I love to have conversations precisely like this one, Noah. Uh, thank no, you so much. the worst ever. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on and sharing some time with us. Two last questions to wrap up. First, where can people connect with you in the digital world? We mentioned Noah Kagan presents the podcast. Where else can people connect with you? Yeah, Twitter is kind of, you can just look my name up or YouTube is where I've been spending a lot of time for if people want to learn, you know, how I've been able to grow businesses or do marketing, just look my name, Noah Kagan uh, on YouTube. If people want the tools that I've been building for myself and our company has been, been growing, uh, we have appsumo.com, which is Groupon for Geeks. So if you want good deals on software to run your business or sumo.com, which is free software to grow your email list. So those are kind of the, the four best places for me. Yeah, I use Sumo for uh, my email collection on my website. Highly recommend it. Definitely encourage people to check that out. Uh, but Noah, we end every episode. I'm realizing now that I did not uh, prep you for this before the interview, but uh, we end every episode with my guest issuing an actionable personal challenge for the audience. And the idea, the philosophy behind it is a lot of people listen to a lot of podcasts and whether they're riding to work or they're at their workout or going for a walk, they listen to the audio and then it's just on to the next thing and they're never really driven to action. So we like to end on a note of take this action, uh, whether that's going to make your personal life better, your professional life better, whatever it may be. Uh, But I want to give you the opportunity to take the mic one last time and challenge the audience. Mic check one two one two is Rabbi can't lose up in the house. The what's been the best one so far that you've heard? Because I'm gonna I'm gonna, I won't beat that one. Oh man, there's a couple good ones. One of my favorites that at least was affecting for me was to just make a an effort every day to go out into nature without a phone, without any other people, and just spend thirty consecutive minutes in nature. Um, but another good one was connect seven people in your network with seven other people and not expect anything in return. Just help two people who need to know each other connect. All right. I can beat that, dude. I'm going to beat that easy. Uh, <laughs> Cause the problem with that is that you have to go and do something, which most people, when they're listening to a podcast, don't do you're, you're on the toilet, you know, you're having sex, you're at the gym, you're on your commute. You're not actually in the, in the mood for doing work. If people are listening to this while they're having sex, please message us. We need to know. Seriously. It, it'll keep it private information, but we need to know that. Well, I want to actually send us pictures. So <laughs> here's three things that, that I've done, and, and this is I think would be very helpful for all uh, the listeners out there. And let us know. So you know, let Aaron know in, in, on comments or Twitter or, or me as well. I'd be very fascinated to see which of these things have, have helped you. And I'll give you three that you can do literally right now. They're all free, and they're all help you. Uh, I'll do the two that I've done in the past and one that I just started doing a few weeks ago that I've really loved. But number one, text someone right now that you trust that you've worked with for feedback about how you could be a better person. 
And I've done this a number of times where, and text them, and here's what you send them in text. Hey man, I just had a really quick question. Number one, what's one thing you really like about me? And number two, what's, what's something that you'd like to see me improve? And I do this and you'll actually be surprised what they say. You're like, oh, okay. One, it's a nice compliment, but two, it's like, oh, that's cool. It's something I can to be a better, be a better person. Second thing, if for everyone that's on their phone listening to this, go remove one app that you haven't used in over a month. Just remove it from your phone. I don't want to, I would actually remove your social apps. I've removed Facebook and Twitter and all these kind of shit, but do that. Or if you want to be really simple, remove one podcast that you haven't listened to in over a month. And the overall concept there is that focus on what's really important and remove all distractions. It's like what I was saying about relationships. So remove an app or remove a podcast. And then what'll happen is you'll start thinking about that in other ways in life. And then as you're creating things, it'll help you even create better things because you're just removing all the garbage. And the last one, because I'm going to go for the trifecta, Boom. is that next time you're in an elevator or in public around someone where you're just having awkward silence, just say hi and start talking to them. So I've been doing that for the past month, give or take, and I am surprised. Normally I get in the elevator, I look at my phone, I'm looking at the ground, and I just now, and I challenge myself to say, all right, I'm always going to talk to someone in the elevator. Like I made it a, a default rule, and I think defaults make life better. Because you can't, you can't question them and you just have to do it. And it also reduces uh, energy. So now in the elevator, I start talking to people and I'm always kind of, I've, I've actually never, it's never been worse. And I'm always like, oh, like I talked to the plumber. Or I talked to this guy about his dog recently. And it's made my day better. And it's, it's a good habit to just start talking to people and getting to know people versus always being so up in a phone world. Yeah, absolutely. Like I mentioned before, I just spent a couple months uh, over in Southeast Asia and that seemed much more natural. Like you're, you're, maybe two white people in a foreign country. And it's like, oh, what are you doing here? Not that it's not that I exclusively did it with white people, but uh, that general notion of just saying hi to strangers and asking them what they're up to uh, is something I'm trying to bring back to the States now that I'm here. So that is a excellent set of challenges, Noah. Uh, definitely let us know if you take them. And uh, once again, buddy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, brother. We just went deep with Noah Kagan. Hope everyone out there has a fantastic day. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Please hit subscribe if you've not already done so and check out our back catalog of episodes. We have a ton of great guests in the past, financial minds like Morgan Housel and Barry Ritholtz, entrepreneurs like Tucker Max and Dennis Mortensen, and great writers, not that some of those other people aren't great writers, but Kevin Kelly and some other New York Times bestsellers like Michael Port. And upcoming, we have Kim Scott, the author of Radical Candor, coming on the show. So make sure that you're subscribed. Check out those other episodes. And thank you so much for listening. This has been Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Thanks for listening. Connect with Aaron on Twitter and Instagram at AaronWatson59.